All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here for a nice Saturday episode. I apologize. I was busy during the... My parents came into town. Things got hectic. Work got a little bit uh, a little bit busy. But yeah, we had a heck of a last couple of days, though, Tim. There was lots to talk about during the week, but we then we, we talked to Aaron Volpati. My, oh, my. That guy, for someone who just had... Uh, I should be careful with what I said, because his, his career was not inconsequential, but just to... You know, a, a very short ho hum career. Played a hundred and some games. Nothing, you know, to throw shade at. But you know, it, it's not a great career. He had five goals, a couple assists. Not many times I have more points than a guy that we interview. But gosh, he, he had quite a story. Incredible story. Good guy too. Very fun to talk to him. That interview. If you haven't listened to it, if you just like breeze through the episodes and pick and choose, if you're a first time listener, go back and listen to that episode because it was an incredible interview. Not your typical hockey podcast interview, if I uh, if I could say. It was really good. A lot of uh, good conversations. Don't you think, Tim? You even talked quite a bit. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was very interesting. And most of it had had little to do with hockey, which was, yeah. a, I don't know, a nice just change of pace and very interesting, very well spoken. Like he's very, you can tell there's not just smart, but like he's uh, very aware, very, yeah, just a cool guy. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the better interviews we've ever done. And he's from Brown. Smart dude. You can, yeah. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to throw, but you can tell the guys who went to college, can't you? Versus the guys who just went right out of high school or played juniors for three or four or five years. And it's it's not taking anything away from them, but they just speak differently. Don't you think? Well, think about two of the other interviews that we said were some of the best we've ever done were Bacchus and uh, Brian Boyle, both college yeah. boys. Both college boys who, yeah, they just, it just kind of, it sounds different. The conversations are different. I'm not saying they're better. They're just different. So don't, I don't want to get a plethora of emails and complaints or people emailing all these players and letting them know that John thinks they're stupid. I don't think you're stupid. My parents didn't even graduate high school for Pete's sake. You're doing pretty good. Do both of them, Tim. Didn't even graduate high school. Isn't that funny? I didn't know that. It's not something I publicize. Just on your podcasts. all, All 25 listeners. There you go. My parents didn't even graduate high school. All right. Speaking of high school, first comes high school, then comes university. Tim and I are going down to Grand Rapids at the end of this month for the GLI. So look for that, Tim. We're going to have a big, big setup down there at Van Andel Arena. Dropping the gloves is hitting that arena in a big way. So if you're in the area, you got to come check it out. What is it? December 27th, December 28th. We're going to be there. We're going to interview all the players, all the teams we're taking over the GLI. The GLI is a big college hockey tournament. It's been around for, I want to say, 100 years. It's been around for a long time. It is Michigan Tech's tournament. I'm obviously a Michigan Tech alma mater. I went there, I graduated there, still have a very good relationship with them. I got a clothing line in the campus store, go to their website. I never I never promote that. I don't really, I probably should. It's a cool clothing line, but mostly Michigan Tech. But they are the hosts. 
And every year they get different teams from around Michigan, around the country to come and play in that tournament. Usually it's Michigan, Michigan State this year. They have Michigan, Western, Michigan, Ferris. So it is an all-Michigan affair. It's going to be great. We're going down. We're going to watch a couple games. We're going to jump on the ice with the Michigan Tech Huskies. And it's going to be fantastic. Tim, you're even coming in from North Carolina. That's how big of a deal it is. Yeah, and for the people who have been with us for a couple of years, we did this in 2019, right before COVID hit, uh, because it was December. And this is the time when we met uh, Jumbo and Bernie and had dinner and all that. We told that story. That was the GLI. A lot of fun the first time, and hopefully it'll be just as good this time. It'll be better because I get to spend the night this time. Last time we had to leave. We drove in yeah. and we drove out same same day. We're getting a hotel. We're gonna we're gonna let our hair down a little bit. It's Are our rooms fun. next to each other. What's that thing on the end of that word with the S? Why did you put that? <laughs> which bed do you want? <laughs> exactly. A room singular. We're dropping the gloves. We're not to that level yet where we can just be throwing out rooms plural. It's a room. And we will be sleeping right next to each other. Single beds. It's going to be fantastic. But yeah, talk. It's going to be great. I'm excited. Very rare I get away from the family, let alone get to see Tim. So we're going to, we're going to go have a good time. We'll talk to some of the players, do a couple podcasts. It'll be good. So if you're in the area, check us out. Come and check out a couple games. Come and say hi. Catch all the action. Should we get back to the NHL, Tim? Yeah, speaking of action. Oh, my gosh. I tell you what. I think I like a player. I think I just, you know, have my favorite player in the NHL. And then he goes and does this, and I love him even more. I was actively on the edge of my seat two nights ago when Tage Thompson was just ravishing the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was incredible what he was doing. He was just scoring. Well, does it is they were doing it against Columbus. So does that kind of lessen the impact of it just a little bit? Because Columbus is just a dumpster fire. At this point, uh, Columbus plays 82 games and no one's doing against them what Tage Thompson did. So I don't think it. NHL record, four goals in the first period. You know what I thought was incredible? He had five overall, six points. Unbelievable. Here's my takeaway from that. I don't know if anybody's talking about this. All the goals came from a different way. You know, he had the in, in tight goal where he made a nice dangle. He had the 101 mile an hour slap shot. He had it kind of a give and go, you know, type play. All the goals were different. It wasn't just like an Ovechkin or a Stamkos or a McDavid where they're coming off the rush. It's a post-up power play goal. It's just the same type of goal. Tage Thompson. I know he had two one timers on the power plays. Those were the only two that were the same. Every other goal was different. It was fantastic. He just basically said, here's all of my talents. Here's everything I can do. And no one could stop him, Tim. He was absolutely unstoppable. And it was just, it was a treat to watch those Buffalo Sabres. I'm telling you what, I don't, I I do predictions all the time. So I'm bound to hit on some of them. He has to be the captain, right? Has to, there's no one else on this team. There's a lot of good players. Don't get me wrong. Rosmi's Darlene is coming into his own. Tage Thompson is the captain of the Buffalo Sabres next year. Can we just put that to bed finally? What about Cousins? Oh, yeah, you know, the the uh yellow the man from Yukon? <laughs> yeah. Man from Yukon? Yellow knife jack knife? I don't know what it is, but it's something great. The hurricane from the um yellow knife? What is his nickname? Oh, I don't remember. Um gosh. I'll look it up. Keep talking. He would be a great great leader but he's an assistant captain type in my eyes he really is i think tage thompson is the answer he is he's completely taken over this town tim he's, he's so the great. workhorse from whitehorse the, the workhorse from whitehorse that's a good assistant captain name tage thompson is the real deal he is the guy they just signed him they locked him up long term you know what else kind of caught my eye after he scored all those goals he celebrates with Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck feeds him a beautiful pass cross ice for a couple of these goals. Owen Power comes over. All of these guys are six foot five, six foot six, six foot six. It's incredible. I, I they were all three of them were celebrating. I'm like, oh, then you know, they're big boys. Then you don't get a feeling of how tall they are until Jeff Skinner skates over. And you're like, holy pajamas, these guys are massive. They're all huge human beings. They all have incredible hands. And they're all young. I know Alex Tuck is a little bit older. And Tage Thompson is, what, 25? Owen Power is still a teenager, for Pete's sake. These guys are good, Tim. These This Buffalo Sabres team, 
I know they throw like they lay the og egg egg and they just have a stinker of a game every couple you know weeks, which good teams don't do. Once they figure out that, oh, I'm telling you what, I yeah, they have the second lowest salary cap in the NHL. They got almost twenty million dollars to spend. They're getting a couple big contracts off the books this next season with Vinny Husterzano and Kyle Poso. Craig Anderson's going to be off the books. That's another eight million bucks. Were you trying to but, say Hinnestrosa? That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he from? Like Lithuania? Like what? Oh, no. What are That's we doing not a with country, his last so. name? It's not a hockey name, Vinny. He's from <laughs> Chicago. Pastorano. Um, it's if there's one piece of like you know criticism that we sometimes get from listeners of the show is that we tend to talk about the same players and same teams a lot. Oh, I don't and, care. I listen, I, I know. And, and as long as Tate Thompson keeps doing stuff like this, we're going to bring it up and talk about it. And I'm not I'm not going to shy away from that. He said an NHL record, four goals in one period, five overall. It was a fantastic game. I'm, I'm telling you, we're not even dropping the gloves anymore. We're raising the hands for Tate Thompson. Oh, oh man, that was cheesy. That was bad. He's <laughs> oh, so good, like though. It. I'm sorry. We will try to not talk about him as much. But what he is doing. Is is unprecedented. Tim, he's playing fantastic. Everybody, when you play the Buffalo Sabres and you're lining up against this team and you're the other team trying to game plan against the Buffalo Sabres, all you do is focus on Tage Thompson. That's it. That's your game plan. And he's still still succeeding. He's still putting up points. He's still doing silly things. And he's doing it night in and night out. This is not just a trend. This is not just a blip and he'll go back to being you know a mediocre player. This is a legit superstar showing you what he's, what he's able to do. He's got 40 points in 26 games. He's got 21 goals. The guy is legit. He's going to end this year. He's going to probably have 40 goals, going to have 75 to 85 points on a Buffalo Sabres team. That is still not quite there yet. Oh man. He's good. He's good. He's making that Ryan O'Reilly trade just really look good for the Buffalo Sabres right now. So do you think now that Tage Thompson, he's he's totally arrived with a superstar in your eyes? And maybe it sounds yes. like a stupid question, but like, is he a top 15 player in the NHL for the next five, 10 years? That's a, 15 is, is that's a tight window. I, I yeah. think he's 25. I think he's definitely 25, but he, he still has a lot of room to grow. He's well, how old did I say he was? He was 25. He's 25 years old. He's really only played two full seasons in the NHL, maybe three. I think he will get there. I'm not going to put him in the top 15 just yet, but boy, he's, he's, he's very, very, very sorry. He's played like five full seasons. I don't know what I'm talking about. He's very close, very, very close. But I, if we were going to do a draft, he wouldn't be in my top 15 just yet. Just, but here's the thing. Do you take him or do you take a Mo Sider? Do you take him or do you take a Rosmus Dahlin? There, there are a lot of question marks where it's like, okay, Tage Thompson, he's great. He's 25 years old. He's a centerman. But would you rather have a Mo Sider who's 20 years old and has five more years of just growing to do before he gets to that time? Or Rasmus Dahlin? Dahlin's only 21. Like, who, who, Honestly, though, who would you take right now if you're the Buffalo Sabres if you had to pick one player to build around? Do you want your number one overall pick, Owen Power, who's 20 years old? Do you want your number one overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin, who's 22? Or your superstar, Tage Thompson, who's 25? It's man, they, their depth is incredible. Like they have such a bright future if they don't screw it up and waste their money on a bad contract like a Jeff Skinner, who by the way is playing okay. But back to that question, one of those three. We're going to do this with another team coming up. Who do you want to take? Uh, it's Darlene in my eyes. It's close, and I love his stage, But Darlene, what he's what he's done this year and the way that he stepped up is just and. Again, you think the, the age and defenseman such a hard position to grow into for a young player. And usually they tend to uh, reach their their peak later and he's already there. It's incredible. So if I had to pick one, it's him. But you couldn't go wrong with any of them. It's funny. I I would probably take Owen Power. <laughs> really? Isn't that yeah. funny? All three of the picks are just you can't go wrong with any of them. They're either a legit one A centerman or a, a legit one A defenseman. Owen Power is young. He's 18 years old. He's six foot six. He's got the size. He's got the hands. He's got the speed. He does everything. Maybe the offensive upside isn't as good as a Darlene. So that's where he needs to work on his game, but everything else he's, he's plus 10. 
You've got 10 assists. He hasn't scored a goal yet, but he's still making an impact. He's a very, very good player. He stepped in and just produced. He really, really has. But anyways, moving forward, another guy who's just playing lights out since he entered the NHL, came over from Russia. There was a bidding war for this guy. Somehow, he landed in Minnesota. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what makes a Russian superstar look at an NHL calendar, look at an NHL map of the United States and say, you know what? (laughs) Let's go to Minnesota, baby. That's where we're going to go. But anyways, Kirill Kaprizov decided that. Lands at Minnesota, and he's on quite the streak. There's a lot of guys who are streaking this year. It, there, there's a lot of point streaks. I don't know what's in the water, in those water bottles on the bench, but what's Kirill Kaprizov doing, Tim, in Minnesota this year? Yeah, he's got a couple of streaks going and franchise record. So he set a record the other night, uh, extended his point streak to 13, and extended his scoring goal scoring streak to 7. And so now he's just keeping this rolling. He's got 20 points, nine goals, 11 and assists in his last 13 games. After not a slow start, but slow for him compared to what he did last year. Um, and he thought maybe taking a little bit of a step back, he's totally turned those doubters wrong. And so he's gone on quite a run here. Yeah, I honestly don't care. Isn't that funny? There's other streaks going on, this and that. Minnesota's starting to win some games, but there's, they're just... I, I can't get a handle on this team. They're hovering around 500. Are we in the playoffs? Are we out of the playoffs? Are we a good team? Are we a bad team? What what, what are we doing with the Minnesota Wild? I, I really don't know. Kaprizov, he's the only thing holding this team together. He really is. They If, if they don't have him, they're a bad hockey team. Can you say that? Can you say that about this Minnesota Wild team? They got a lot of good players. If they don't have a Kirill Kaprizov, they're they're a bad hockey team. They got a good defense. They got a good goaltender. They just don't have anybody who can score consistently. I don't want to dump on friend of the show as Marcus Foligno and Matt Zuccarello, but I will. They don't have a guy or a team that's scary if I play against them if they don't have Kirill Kaprizov. I think he's the thing that separates them, and I know they're probably ahead of him in the standings right now, but... The, the Wild, I think, are a better team with him, but without him, they're more like the LA Kings or or Nashville, where they're probably just maybe teetering on a playoff spot. Not, and I, I know the Wild are kind of right there now, but they're underperforming. They're a better team than this. I think we can agree on that. And so, yeah, you're probably right. They're not very good uh, without him. I don't agree. I think they're playing right where they should. I really do. I think that with the salary cap implications. I really believe they're playing their best hockey. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know what else to say. I th- I think this is it. This is a ceiling for this Minnesota Wild. It's impossible. And a, and a GM commented on it. Elliot Friedman asked the GM, anonymous GM. Obviously, they're not going to put their name to anything because they're just cowards. They he asked them, why has there been no trades? What's going on? Usually around Thanksgiving, teams kind of figure out where they're going to end up and they push or they sell. So there's usually a flurry of trades right after Thanksgiving. The GM said, there's no trades because no one has any room, meaning no one has any cap space to make any trades. And that's coming from a GM who has $82 million to spend. What's the cap? 82 and a half, whatever the cap is. Minnesota Wild this year don't have $82.5 million to spend. They have $70 million to spend. So they're already behind the eight ball. And they already have a ton of money wrapped up, and they've already used up 50 of their 50. Oh, no, they only have 46 contracts because they couldn't sign anybody else. They have no money. So it's just, I feel bad for Billy Garrett. He just took on this team that Chuck Fletcher just assembled and what is it, terrible contracts. And now he's got to sort through all the jazz and he's going to end up having to trade some really good players because of somebody else's mess. He's trying to do it and, and remain competitive. He's making moves. He's trying to bring guys in. But when you sit there and look at your team and you go, man, I'm paying this guy that much and I'm still eating cap from Parisi and Suter over oh, the next three years. It's, it's very, very hard. Well, Fiala was the perfect example of that, letting him go because of the cap realities. And I'm sure that's not what he wanted to do. And they're going to have to let, let Dumba go. They're going to have to let somebody else go because it's just, it's not all of a sudden going to be easier for the Minnesota Wild. So to go back to what you were saying, I don't, I think that they're exactly where they need to be. If they make 
the playoffs, it'll be a good season for them. You, you, you can't expect anything else from these guys. So, uh, I don't know. Good for Minnesota. Good for Kirill Kaprizov. But I wonder if he regrets kind of signing that contract, signing that extension. Because there was some chatter that he would never sign that extension. I know he was an RFA, but he could have held out. He could have done some things, signed a lesser term deal. But now he's wrapped up there to 25-26. And that coincides with when the Wild get a little cap relief. So, we'll see if he sticks around after three years of just, yeah, you're behind the eight ball, like I said. And they're, it's going to get worse next year. They're going to have to eat almost $15 million in dead money. You can't win. That's two really good players. That's two guys who make what Kirill Kaprizov makes. Well, he makes nine, so it's 18. There's $3 million difference. But that's two Matt Zuccarellos, and you're throwing in a Jordan Greenway, for Pete's sake. That's a lot of good players. Moving on, Tim. What are we talking about next? Yeah, speaking of going streaking, Mitch Marner's streak is now up to point streak is up to 21 games. He broke the record back with like 18 or 19, and he's kept it going. So he's got 28 points during this stretch, and he's a 10th player in 35 years to have a point streak of at least 21 games. And the third active, the other two being Kane and Sidney Crosby. So what he's doing is is pretty historic. And the, the Maple Leafs don't look now; they might have the best goalie tandem in the league. John, they they just put up back to back shutouts. Oh, Matt, I'm telling you, you I. I, I'm actually higher on Sam Sonov than I am on Matt Murray. And Matt Murray has played very, very well since returning from injury. And and Sam Sonov just came back too. And he let up, uh, he gave a shutout. And so he's in two games back, he's allowed one goal and zero goals. And the Leafs just keep on rolling. So I think you got to take that tandem a little more seriously. Best in the league. They're up there. They're top. Best. Okay. How many, how many goalie tandems can you name that are better? I don't know. I don't know backup goalies around the league, but. So you're saying the best in the league, those two. They're playing like it. Tim. So if you're going into the playoffs, okay, that's the yeah. tandem you're taking. Yeah, but tandems, you hope exactly. you, you don't want to rely too much on tandems. In the you can't playoffs. play you them need, both. You need a hot goalie. And, but that also, that kind of ties up to what you said for years and look at the hood open uh, thing that we've always talked about. If one of yeah. those guys gets hot, they haven't. They don't have a ton of cap committed to these guys. They don't have a ton of roster space committed to them. They just need one of them to get hot at the right time. And I think they're they've set themselves up well to do that. What's your favorite Will Ferrell movie? Uh, Step Brothers. That is a good one. Or Elf. No, because we just been saying you're going streaking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's your favorite Will Ferrell movie? I like Talladega Nights too. That's a good one. Anchorman. He's got some funny oh, ones. Good. Yeah. He does old school. He's got some really funny movies. But yeah, I agree. I think Step Brothers has got the best bang for your buck there. But back to Mitch Marner. He said it two years ago, I think. Or was it last year? He's better than Austin Matthews. He really is. Why are you closing your eyes like that? You blocking me out? He's not. Why He's not? not? In what Why? sense is he better? He does more for the team. He's a more complete player. He makes people around him better. You know, it's interesting. I watched, um, did you see that, that shift they had where they were down 5-1-3 in the power play and they killed the penalty? And like Engvall and Sandine were out there just blocking shots and Murray was the goalie. Incredible. Who was their forward in that situation? Tavares. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner. He was the yeah. one guy they put out there in a 5-1-3. That says yeah. a lot. But you still think Matthews is better? Yeah. Yeah. You just made my point. I don't understand how that works. If this was a debate, you would get an, like an F. I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you. But I still, I don't think, I can't really hear an argument of him being better than Matthews. Who's got more points then? Who's got more points, Matthews or Marner, all time? Total points. I don't have it in front of me. I'm guessing Marner, if you're going to ask me that. It's a trick question. Trick question. They're tied. Okay. All right. They both got 488 points. They played roughly the same amount of games. You would think Matthews, based on his contract, based on just how Goal the scoring. league, the team, everybody holds him up, he would be light years ahead of him. Marner's much more important to that team than Austin Matthews. I think if either one of them misses a large amount of time, just say Matthews is gone for half the season. I don't think they feel the effect as if Marner has gone half the season. I really don't. And then I'm not even throwing in John Tavares, who I think is just as important as both of these guys, maybe even more. I think Matthews you can make up for some of that goal scoring. I know he's a, he's an elite goal scorer. You can maybe make up for that. Marner, you can't make up a playmaker. 
You can't. There's more guys who you can just put in a spot on the power play and say, okay, just bomb away. Go for it. I know he does make plays that other people can't do, but I know a lot of guys who can sit in a, sit in a spot and shoot one-timers, and every 10 shots, it goes in. So I'm just saying, I'm taking – they're both elite players. But Marner's better when he, when he does everything for the team. All right, another one, just like we did in Buffalo. If you had to pick one guy from the Toronto Maple Leafs to move forward with, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, your goaltending duel. I'll even package them up. You can pick Murray and Samson up for uh, Morgan Riley. Who are you going to take to move forward with this team? Matthews. You're such a, you're such okay. a millennial or Gen, yeah, whatever the new one is. The, Marner is he sexy. Been, he scores goals. It's so Marner's cool. Been, okay, oh, he's, what do you he's need? on ESPN's cover. He's hey, so John, cool. He probably strength, strength down the middle. Strength down the middle. He's How so important cool. is that? You want to, you want to, if you want to build your team around a pass first winger over a goal scoring center, it makes no sense. And does, Marner, sense. Marner has been worse in the playoffs. He's been more of a no show than Matthews has. Agreed. I don't think Matthews is that much better in the playoffs. And I think Matthews is actually a detriment in the playoffs when you see the turnovers he makes, the effort he puts forth. I know Marner's not like the shining bar, the star that we're supposed to uh, try to get to. That's our bar. But Matthews is just as bad, if not worse. No, and I don't Marner's think he worse. would con- he would be constitute strength down the middle. The guy's a goal scorer. The guy's <laughs> a legit huge goal scorer. and strong. Huh? He's a big, strong boy, too. I don't know. In what sense is he not strength? Well, because he's a terrible defensive player, no, liability not. to the point he where they have penalties. to put him on to the point where they put him on the point because they don't want him playing in the corners on the in the D zone. <sighs> you just like your sexy goal scorers. Oh, he's so cool. I and there's very few elite playmakers in this league. Very, very few. Very few elite playmakers. So there are fewer goal scorers. False. I think there's more guys who can just post up and score a goal and finish then there is guys who can make that pass and make that play and make people miss and make other people around them better. Did he have six, 60 goals last year? Marner? No. Matthews? Yeah. Okay. How many of those goals were Mitch Marner first assist? 62 of them. How many of his assists was because Matthews is scoring goals that no one else in the league can score? I would say, good point. I would say more goals are because Marner puts him in a good position to score then Matthews just creates a goal. I don't you think do Marner watch does. every Leafs game. So no, 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 half of them. <laughs> what would Steve Dangle say? Who would he pick? Who's that? <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, Steve. Friend, of, he listened to the show. Friend of the show. Uh, Steve would probably take Matthews. I think because he likes sexy goal scores too. Everybody likes sexy goal scores. You keep using that term. I don't think you. Where is that coming from? Because scoring goals is sexy. Chicks dig the long ball. That's you know what I mean. That that's what it is in hockey. Nobody's checking the box score for assists. That's not what they do. They check for goals. Matthews puts goals on the board. No one checks who got his first assist. It's always Marner. So, whatever. Good for Marner. Twenty-eight points, twenty-one games. Very very good. Eighteen assists of those twenty-eight points. He's got ten goals. It's not nothing. So he's scoring goals too. Who's got more goals this year, Marner or Matthews? Matthews. How many? I don't know. Why not? You come problems. to a debate. You come to a debate, and you. Don't I even... didn't come to a debate. You just thrust it upon me. Well, if if you're going to argue for Matthews that he's a lead goal scorer, he's struggling this year. How many goals does he have this year? I'm telling you right now. All right, let's see. Mitch Marner has 11. Austin Matthews has 14. Is I? Uh, that's a good period for Tage Thompson <laughs> yeah, no. to make up that gap. Uh, so yeah. Marner's leading him in points this year. I don't know. It's a no-brainer to me. It's a no-brainer to me. Mitch Marner is a superior player. Plus, he doesn't have a stupid receding hairline and mustache. So, and I like Matthews. I really he's just a great guy. A guy who's not too happy to. We're staying in Canada. We're staying with teams we don't usually talk about. Edmonton Oilers have a have a little bit of an issue, and they've been having this issue for years with this guy. You draft somebody with a high draft pick, Paul Viard, What was he four overall? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. You expect him to produce. Edmonton, it's it's just amazing with their draft picks. It's just hit or miss with them. You either get to nail Yakupov or you get a Connor McDavid. There's no in-betweens here. And Paul Viari, I'm sorry, he's turning into a nail Yakupov. We're a guy, you expect him to come in. He's a big man. 
coming in from Finland, played in the Finnish Elite League before he came over to the NHL. You expected him to just step right into that lineup and just compliment these guys and just fit right in. It's not working. Hasn't worked for the last two, three, four years. And it's wearing on Polviari. He There was rumors going around this offseason that he wasn't coming to the NHL, that the Oilers were going to move on from him. That didn't happen. He had a pretty good year last year. They were hoping maybe he was going to make the next step. Well, there's some quotes coming to the coming to light. You're getting a little insight into how Jesse Polviari sees things. You think these hockey players are just immune to everything. They don't, the pressure doesn't affect them. You want them to just go out there and play the game, cash your paycheck and play the game. Well, he, there was some very insightful comments. He gave an interview to a Finnish journalist named Tommy Sipala of the YLE news agency. And what did he say to him? Cause it's fascinating to hear his, uh, his thoughts on things. Yeah, and I, we'll we'll unpack each of these lines because he talks about both his performance this season and then just big picture his career so far with the Oilers. And so he says, 20 games in and I have one goal. It's sad. I've been thinking a lot of how to do things differently. Right now, I just don't have the answer. Of course, I'd like to be a productive top-line player. But right now, it looks like I can't do that in the NHL, maybe some other league. Let's pause there for a minute. Pause. Have you ever heard a player talk about himself publicly like like what he just did well it's just it really is really is amazing i've never heard anything like that well to have the cojones to say that to say you know what maybe i don't want to play here do you think here's the thing do you think he is just angling for the oilers to get rid of him trying to persuade ken holland to move on from him or does he just like that's truly how he feels? And this isn't a ploy for either, you know, compassion or this and that. He's trying to play that card. Because if it's not, if this is just how he truly feels, it's very sad. Don't it, it it really makes me sad because he's just doubting his talent. He's a shell of, of himself when he got drafted. I'm assuming when he came over to North America, he thought he was going to do everything right and just continue his success. And now he's a he's a beaten man. He's like, I can't do this in the NHL. I'm not good enough. Maybe some lesser league, I'll be more successful, but I can't be the player I want to be in this league because I'm not good enough. It's really sad to hear. I think it's the second one. He's just bearing his chest and being completely honest. And usually when you see players in that situation, what they'll do is drop little hints that they want to be traded. We're like, they know it's, they, they know it's on them even, but they just say, I, I need a fresh start. I need a, a new city, new team, new teammates, whatever. Uh, but he's not doing that. He's like, I don't even know if I belong in this league. And so I'm going to keep going with this quote. I'm trying to find out who I am as a player since it looks like I don't fit anywhere here. I've started checking a lot and lead the team in hits. At least that's some positive. And then the best line, if you play with Connor, you have to score. Maybe I just don't have it. Sad. That's sad. I'll give him this. At least he's he's aware. You know what I mean? Most yeah. people would just pass the buck and deflect and say, it's not my fault, this and that. He he knows he's been given an opportunity and he's blown it. I'm playing with Connor McDavid, he said it. There, There's really no other way to say it, but you you had the opportunity and you didn't succeed. So... Man, it's it's really too bad. He's a good player. He shows those flashes, you know, where you, where you think you got something. He'll make a move. He'll he'll finish a play, and he'll do something that is very high end talent. And like, gosh, you're, he's a good player. I can see why you're a fourth overall pick. But then he'll just disappear, or he'll do something silly, or you won't get the full effort. That effort part has been fixed. He's been trying hard. Like you said, he's he's flying around there. He's hitting. He's trying to find other ways to contribute. But it's just. You're a fourth overall pick. You got to put points on the board and you're just not doing it. So I don't know what happens. Does Holland trade him? Does he release him and let him go back to Finland? What is the end game here for Jesse Polviar? Because gosh, they, they, they invested so much in this guy and it's just not working out. But what do you see Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers doing here with, with a Jesse Polviari? Because this is the last year of his contract, but he's still an RFA. They still have control of this guy. So he's 24. Do you give up on him? Do you ship him off and maybe another team works their magic and you see him blossom with another team? What's what is Ken Holland doing here, Tim? Yeah, I don't see how he returns to Edmonton next year. And and what he's saying even this is so, year. Yeah. 
I mean, like, think about like how different this is from DeBrusque and how DeBrusque handled that, where he basically were formally requested a trade. Not basically, he did that through his agent. And it was it was more of like he felt like he was not getting the right opportunity, wasn't getting the right shifts, the ice time, all that stuff. And he requested a trade, wanted to go play somewhere else. That is nothing like what's happening with Bully Yarvey. He's basically saying, I don't think I'm good enough to be here and probably in this country. Like, I'm just going to go home and play somewhere in Sweden or something or Finland. So I uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see how he returns to Edmonton. Maybe he he tries like a one year deal with another team and see if it's just a, a clean slate would help him. But I would think probably he'll go back to Europe. <sighs> yeah, you would think, right? Like you know, he can succeed there. But then that speak, I know, going back to the Volpati thing, it, it's just mental where he's just he's a beaten man. You play in Edmonton, you come in with these massive expectations. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well, excuse me. And he's been like public enemy number one there for quite a while. And, and like he, I know he was drafted in 2016, but he's bounced around the Edmonton Oilers. He was in on their team. He got sent down. He went to, you know, he went back to Finland. He goes to Bakersfield. He's been all over the map with the Edmonton Oilers. And he, he he's just been beaten by the fans, by the media, probably by his GM, countless coaches that he's had to play for. He's been there since 2016, 17. So he's had a few different coaches and GMs and just system wise, the mental game of this is he, he might just be done. Like, does he even want to go to another NHL team and deal with it where he knows he can go back to Finland. He's comfortable there. He's probably got family and friends. I wouldn't blame him if he just never came back to the NHL at all. Just it sours you. It really does. This poor kid, fourth overall, like got the world by the tails and just ran. He went to Edmonton. He went to the Edmonton Oilers. Big mistake when you walk into that locker room and you're like, oh boy, what is what is happening here? It happened to many players. Many, many players, the Edmonton Oilers have done that too. So now too bad. You know what he should do though? He should uh probably fire up DoorDash. Might be leaving the NHL, maybe not making as much money. Save yourself some dough. Me, Jesse Poviar, use DoorDash. You're in Canada. Promo code is just GlovesDD. Save yourself 25%. You get free delivery. Go to one of your fancy Edmonton restaurants, which I don't know if there is. Is there probably some good food in Edmonton? I haven't been there in a few years. But yes, do that. Or just get yourself a greasy burger. Make yourself feel happy. And guess what? You guys can be like Jesse Poviari too. You can use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Get 25% off. You get free delivery. You get yourself some delicious food. And you get a delicious deal because you listen to this delicious podcast. It's a fantastic thing. It's a win-win-win all around. As many wins as you want. Just use DoorDash. Use our promo codes. That's all I want you to do. Moving on, Tim. You got a fascinating thing about goaltenders. What are we talking about next? Yeah, I saw a list on Twitter the other day of the highest goalie cap hits in the league. And this doesn't include inactive players. So Carey Price isn't on it. I don't know if there are other goalies that would be on it, um, but it's all active players. So Bobrovsky, highest paid, making 10 mil. Vasilevsky, 9.5. Gibson, 6.4. Hellebuck, 6.17. Bennington, 6. Markstrom, 6. Krubauer, 5.9. Quick, 5.8. Shesterkin, 5.67. And Merzlikens, 5.4. a couple of interesting stats. Whoever posted, I saw. I should have remembered who it was, but they they pointed out that seven out of these ten, their save percentage this year are under nine hundred, and so you're seeing a lot of overpaid goalies. And and part of this might just be because of how high scoring the league is this year. The average um, goals for per game per team was over three this year, and last year was like under two and a half. And the year before, there was one year it was under two in the last five years. So it's like scoring is way way up this year, and so maybe this is. I don't want to say it's not their fault, but it's a product of the way the league's going. So I, I I can kind of wrap my head around that. But I was also surprised that there weren't more goalies with big contracts. When you look at this list, it's like only six goalies are making $6 million or more. That's not a big number, is it? Is that surprise you at all? Well, I think it's indicative of what we talked about earlier, the Anton Hudobin factor, the anti-Niemi factor. Teams don't need a high-end goaltender to succeed. You really don't. You don't need to spend $10 million on a goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. And if you're going to spend, you always talk about ROI, return on investment. Where am I going to get the most bang for my buck for my dollars? If I'm spending $10 million, would I rather pay for a Sergei Bobrovsky 
who maybe could just win me five or six games on his own, but he can also just completely go the other way and just be a terrible goaltender and just have the jitters with the puck. Or do I want to take that $10 million and spend it on a Mitch Marner, who is arguably one of the best players to ever step foot on the ice? You know what I mean? Where the the ceiling is super high for both of them, but I think the floor for a goaltender is much, much lower than it is for a $10 million forward. For every, you know, Jeff Skinner, there's a Bobrovsky, there's a Ben Bishop, there's a Carey Price, there's these goaltenders who you pay it to a Rick DiPietro, you you give a ton of money and their play just drops off. It's it's very rare where you give a player a ton of money and they just go off a cliff. They continue to be a good hockey player because there's just more opportunities for them and there's just more ways for them to make an impact. The goaltender, you got one job. Stop the puck. If you're if you're a good player, you can make an impact in many different ways, and it's much easier to just put points on the board if you have a skill set. You slow down if you get older and you're a goaltender, you're a bad goaltender. So it doesn't surprise me. If I'm a GM and I'm building a team, I'm spending maybe five million dollars on a goalie. Five and a half, you know. That that's that's my ceiling. But then you get a Vasilevsky and he bucks the trend, and the guy wins you two, two Stanley Cups and he's one of the best goaltenders ever. But look at him this year. Starting to slip a little bit. Maybe they're showing there's cracks showing in Vasilevsky's armor. This guy we thought was infallible. There's nothing ever that's going to happen to him. He's he's untouchable. He's starting to show a little bit of signs of age. Guess what? He's signed for another seven years at $9.5 million. That's not good. On the other hand, if I have Kucherov signed for another seven years at $9.5 million, do you think he's still going to be able to put some points on the board, Tim, even though he's starting to slow down a little bit? He's probably still going to put up 60 yeah. points. You know what I mean? If a goaltender starts to slow down, you're done. So I don't blame GMs for not signing these guys. It's just just like a running back. You're good until you're not. There's no gray area where you can kind of kick around the league and be okay for a little bit. You're a good goaltender until you're not. And it happens like that. Then you're gone. But if you're tied to a big contract, there's nothing you can do. I think Bobrovsky is the biggest uh, fear factor element for other GMs is how quickly he he wasn't worth his contract and how poorly he's played. I know he's had some good years, but he hasn't been worth anything, anything close to his tap hit. And I bet that's probably scared some other GMs from making similar deals. Well, especially with the cap where it's at, I think GMs have to allocate money. And do you really want to tie up? Because you're going to have to pay your back backup $2 million if you want a decent backup. Are you going to lock up $12 million of your salary? For goaltenders, like that's what 15% of your whole total salary. That's a lot of money. You still have to put like defensive forwards in 21 other positions. So it's uh, it's too bad because it's such an important position. But like I said, with the running back, it's a very similar type situation. You can find another running back to plug and play. It's It's a very simple position. Yes, there's some elite ones, but it's like you get the ball and you pound through the hole. The goaltender, you stop the puck. If you can't do it, we'll find someone else who will. All right, moving on, Tim. Let's do some quick hits. Yeah, we talked about him already. Dylan Cousins, friend of the show, has 27 points this year in 26 games. He's got 16 points in his last nine, and a big part of why the, the Sabres are doing so well. I honestly, I didn't know he had this kind of pop in, uh, off his bat, to use a baseball term. I didn't know he could he could produce like this. I thought it was going to be more of a, I know it's a small sample size, but I thought it'd be more of like a, a David Backus type player if he grows into his game where he's, he's putting up a, a ceiling of 60-ish points. But Cousins is looking like he can score with the best of them right now. Yeah, coming in, he was more known for his hard work. And even last year, he had one full season under his belt, and he got some pretty good ice time. You know, he got 38 points in 79 games, so roughly a point every third game, maybe a little bit better. But this is good. This is a good, like, gosh, these Buffalo Sabres, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but they're starting to grow up. Dylan Cousins is one of those guys you want on your team. I know you mentioned him maybe as a captain candidate. It wouldn't surprise me. Because he just has that personality, that work ethic. You want to be around Dylan Cousins. He is that type of player. There's other guys who put points on the board, but they're just like a cancer in the locker room. You don't want to be around him. Dylan Cousins is a good player. And if he can continue to produce like this, man, oh man, these these both. Tim, everybody was all over the Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Senators in the offseason. These are the two teams that are going to just, they're gone in five years. They have the highest potential. Don't sleep on these Buffalo Sabres. I'm telling you right now, they are they're very good. After that rough start where they started hot, they did the typical Buffalo Sabres. They win five or six and they lose a million. 
they're bouncing back from that. They're showing some resilience. I like what I'm seeing from these young Buffalo Sabres. Stay tuned. It would not surprise me, Tim, if they're raising the cup in five years. Don't quote me. But if they if they sign the right players, get the right goaltender in there, pretty good team. Pretty good team, Tim. All right, some bad news out west. Colorado Avalanche are just ravaged by injuries. The reigning Stanley Cup champions. I thought they were going to cruise through the regular season. Just they play in the West, play in the Pacific. It's just a cakewalk. Not so much this year. Another big gun just dropped. Nathan McKinnon. Last year, Tim, they're Stanley Cup champ. They're top two lines. How many people are left from those those two lines? Do you, would you would you guess? Uh, uh, one. It's just one. one. Yeah. There's one guy left from those players, Miko Rantanen. Right now, out of the lineup for the Colorado Avalanche, Landeskog, Helm, Nashuskin, Manson, McKinnon, Byram, Rodriguez, Lykanen, all of them are outs. First line right now for the Colorado Avalanche, Alex Newhook, Miko Rantanen, and Charles Houdon, who I played with with the St. John's Ice Caps. And he's a <laughs> good player. Not a first line NHL guy. Good player. Don't get me wrong, but no um, Nathan McKinnon. So uh, he's out for four weeks. Are the Colorado Avalanche, Tim, at risk of not making the playoffs, do you think? No, I don't think I no? can go there. I mean, I guess statistically, yeah, they're at risk, but no, they'll be fine. They'll be there. They've lost three in a row. They just lost their best player for four weeks. If they don't get on their horse and start winning some games by the time he comes back, four weeks you play a lot of games. That's a month. They're going to play 12 to 15 games this month. If they don't win half of those games, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I know they'll only have played 50, 45 games by that point, but they need to start winning. Thankfully, they play in the dumpy Western Conference, so they probably will sneak in. (laughs) Imagine you're the Dallas Stars and you have a fantastic season. Everything works out for you. you come first place in the West and you got to play the Colorado Avalanche first round. It's <laughs> just like, what the heck's going on here? Like, uh, that's my reward for having a really strong season. I get to play the Avalanche who just, oh, all of a sudden are getting everybody healthy and we're just running into that juggernaut and everybody's fresh. Oh, it would, it's going to happen. Mark my word. It's going to happen. What's next? Yeah, uh, a couple of defenseman updates. Chris Letang, after coming back or after going back down um, from a stroke, was it a stroke last week? He's already skating again with the team listed as day to day, so he could return as soon as this weekend, which is pretty cool. And then on the other side of that, uh, Alex, oh, you got me saying it now. Petrangelo is out indefinitely. He's got something going on with his family, and he will he'll be out for until he's ready to come back. Bruce Cassidy said, which is you know sending thoughts and prayers for him. Um. Cool story. The latest update in the Shane Wright saga. He returned to the NHL after that that brief quote unquote conditioning stint in the AHL, and he scored a goal in his his first NHL goal in his return. And now he's been loaned to Team Canada for the World Junior Championship. So hopefully that that'll give him a nice boost of confidence. And when he comes back, he'll be a full time NHL player. No, he won't come back. He'll be gone. This is where he's he's, he's not coming back to the NHL after this. He's going to go to the under eighteen. Then he'll go back to the OHL and he'll finish the season there. That's that's my prediction. I I don't think he sees another game in the NHL until next year, which which I think is a good thing for him. But yeah, cool story. He came back, scored versus Montreal, kind of glared at. Oh, I'm Shane Wright. It's yeah, rue the day you didn't pick me, but good for him. I'm glad is he that, scored. Is that something he'll get chirped for in the OHL, or is it like can a guy who hasn't played in the NHL really chirp a guy who did? Oh no, guys chirp guys about anything. But who knows? Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to chirp in the OHL anymore. It's just like you <laughs> you can't bully. He's bullying me. He's making me feel unsafe. I don't like this. Everything has to make me feel good or else someone needs to get in trouble. So I, I don't think anybody says anything because that league has just become so incredibly soft. It's embarrassing. Not allowed to hit, not allowed to fight, not allowed to trash talk, not allowed to do anything. It's just like robots over here it's so embarrassing how don't even get me started (laughs) we gotta wrap this up before someone says something Uh, last thing last thing uh ovechkin had two empty net goals the other night and now is officially within double digit double digits of gretzky are you changing your tune at all no 
No, I'm not. He's, he's not going to. You don't think he has 99 goals left in him? Well, I think my answer is no, because I said I don't think he's going to catch him. Right? <sighs> does does that not imply that I don't think he's going to score 99 goals? Or I want to hear you say it. I need to hear it. So yeah. He will not pass Wayne Gretzky in goals. That's my prediction. Is there anything else I need to be? I think I've been pretty clear on this issue. Uh, he's about to pass Gordie Howe. Yeah. For, and he's going to pass Gretzky in no. two, two and a half years. No. And two empty netters, too. How stupid is that? And the second one was so disrespectful. Goes in. Okay. And said, no, it wasn't. I thought oh, you was. would give Konechny a hard time for this. No, no, no. I would have done the same thing, Konechny. I would have driven him through the boards if I was Konechny. But Ovechkin is a little bit bigger. He didn't do that. I would have threw him through the boards if he would have done that. Show hot dog in it. Your second empty net goal. Just throw it in your forehand. You don't got to like hot dog it, Ovechkin. I, I, I get it. You know, he, 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 whatever. I don't like that. I like Ovi, but I don't like that. He is the greatest goal scorer of all time. I will get, he's that, Tim. That's the best ever to lace him up. This guy's the best goal scorer. He will not pass Wayne Gretzky. He won't. Do I, do I have to sign a, a contract so you can remember it? Send it to, to you? I'm trying to save you from yourself. So people, when he when he does pass them, and people would be like, "Oh, John Scott, wrong again." He never gets these predictions right. No, it's just like you. You just you twist my words, or you twist your own. It's like when we were talking about your brother. He's like, "Oh, he's not younger than me. He was just before born before I was." So like, well, I, I don't said know what he's he young said. for his age. Yeah, he's which, young for his which, age. You know exactly what that means. You try to pretend you don't. Don't no. He's young. For, he. I said, "Is your younger brother younger than you? He's young for his age." I'm like, what? Does, what does that mean? You're pretty tall for your height, John. Yeah, I'm pretty tall for a tall guy. It's like, okay, tall for my... I think it's so... Gosh, yeah, it just... Yeah. All right. That's all. It's the weekend, yeah. It's Go the weekend. I, I hope everybody has a good weekend. Go out there, have some fun. Enjoy yourself. We'll catch everybody back on Monday. Hasta mañana. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.